0: Welcome to The Loop, where we untangle today's business issues by throwing real life scenarios at our expert panel to deliver practical advice on how middle market companies tackle current business issues. Now, the tech sector is one of the UK's fastest growing markets, with increasing growth in regions outside of London. And while it's promising to see businesses flourishing nationwide, the challenges that face tech startups are numerous and vary greatly. Now, in this episode, I'm joined by RSM private client tax partner based in Leeds, Chris Etherington, North Invest's entrepreneur coach, Charlotte Scott, and the co-founder of Leeds Digital Festival, Stuart Clark. So, first of all, welcome to you all. Welcome to the programme.
1: Hi, thank you.
0: So, before we start... Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Charlotte, I'm going to come to you first.
1: Okay. um, Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, So like you said, I'm Charlotte and I'm an entrepreneur coach um, at North Invest. Uh, We are a tech investment organization facilitating angel investment into early stage startups. And we're based in Leeds, but we operate around the Northern Powerhouse region.
0: Okay, Chris, I'm going to come to you next. So... A little bit more about yourself. Uh, Thanks for having me. Um, So, yeah, my my name is Chris
2: Etherington. I'm a private client tax partner at RSM. So in plain English, that that broadly means that I work with individuals, families, and that's typically entrepreneurs from uh, startups through to businesses with hundreds of millions of turnover and international ones as well.
3: And finally, Stuart, over to you. Thank you. It's good. it's good to be here today. Uh, so I run a company called PaceLine. It's a consultancy that helps tech firms develop their marketing strategy and PR. also work with a number of startups. I'm a non-exec director of uh, three of them, uh, SignApp, Jigtalk and Sock. And I try to meet at least one new startup per week to see if I can help them. Uh, I'm also the co-founder and the festival director of the Leeds Digital Festival. Uh, the 2019 festival was our fourth year. Uh, and during that festival, there were more tech events going on in Leeds uh, than there, there were in San Francisco. So it's been a great success.
0: Wow. So Apple, eat your heart out. Oh, oh absolutely. <laughs> Who? <laughs> well, thank you all for for, for joining us here um, for this edition. Um, now, we're here to untangle practical advice for tech startups and scale-ups on on core issues that could be affecting performance or or limiting growth right now as well so these are some of the biggest issues they face now we'll do this by throwing real life examples at you and we're looking for you to deliver guidance on how to deal with those different scenarios so before we get any further do you accept the challenge
1: I accept, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, let's do this. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm very, very glad you do accept, we don't have a program if you don't, so it's, it's, it's good that you do, but fantastic. Well, so let's, let's jump in, let's get on with our first of, of two challenges here, so I'm going to set the scene. I'm a Leeds-based founder of a software business which has been operating for almost two years now and have been able to provide my product to some well-known brands. I'm doing pretty well. But I feel that in order to grow, I need to develop a clear route to market to start considering funding as an option. So I want to get bigger. What are my options? Charlotte, you're our coach. I'm gonna to come to you first. <laughs>
1: uh, thank you, John. Um, so normally when I'm the first port of call for most tech entrepreneurs who come to us to, to raise angel investment, and my first piece of advice is always understand your business, know your business, know if investment is right for you, because giving up some you know, some equity is always a bit of a trade off. Um, so if there are alternative ways of doing that, then do pursue them. Um, it looks like you are revenue generating. You got a good pipeline. Yeah, in we're there. doing all right. We're yeah, doing well. yeah, you're yep. doing well. Okay, you kind of bootstrapped so far. That's fab. Uh, um, no, bootstraps. Yes. I'm not making shoes. What, what, okay. what, what does that mean? <laughs> um, so bootstrapped is normally um, the sort of first unofficial raise the founder will do. Um, it essentially means that the founding team have so far grown the business by begging money or family and friends, um, working for sweat equity, which is when you, rather than working for cash, um, you give away equity in the business to keep management. Um, and you're running a very lean operation at this point. Um, so when we say bootstrap, that's that's normally what we mean. And then you can then raise on top of that we sit in the angel investment area so because you're revenue generating that is a great sign for investors they love to see that um as we know investing in any kind of startup is very risky so the fact that you have a sales pipeline there is, is great to see um and i would say after that um you can come to us and we can help you get investor ready support you get your pitch deck together understand your route to market your sales strategy and then introduce you to some people who might want to Put some money in.
0: Okay, now we we hear this phrase angel investor. You've introduced it. Um, just so we fully understand what you mean, take us through what you see an angel investor as being? Who are they?
1: Sure. Um, so an angel investor is typically a high net worth individual, um, someone who identifies as a high, high net worth individual who has some money to spare that they would like to invest um, in a company um, for equity, for a percentage of equity. Um, they can also sometimes take on a mentorship role and they like generally like to be quite involved in the startups that they invest in um, and they will use their personal contacts to help them grow.
0: Okay. Now, Stuart, I want to bring you in here, um, given that there's companies that you are involved in have probably experienced something like this and uh, and you're very closely involved. Uh, what are the challenges that you see for startups accessing the type of funding that Charlotte's just been referring to?
3: Well I, th- I think one of the challenges and, and Charlotte mentioned about bootstrapping and it's it's that trade-off between access to funding but also concentrating on actually building a company because you know finding funding it's its its hard it takes a lot of time if you're spending three quarters of your time uh, going to pitch competitions going to investors going to banks going to everywhere you're spending less time building your business so you have to really think about whether you need the, the, the funds in, in, in the first place and I think sometimes we get a little bit obsessed with celebrating how much people are raising and not necessarily how much people are uh, you know, how much revenue uh, companies are bringing t- together
0: Now that Raises many questions, uh, questions that I, my business would want to uh, have advice on uh, as quickly as possible. Charlotte, you mentioned in your answer, this notion of mentoring, just expand on that a little bit more. Uh, Who are mentors? You know, what, what kind of people? get into this game and want to offer that kind of mentorship to the sort of business that I am two years in and wanting to grow?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, we actually, funnily enough, recently launched our Tech Mentors Yorkshire programme with RSM um, because we there was a lot of appetite in our angel network. Um, we have a, an angel network now of over 120 individuals and some of them weren't necessarily had capacity to invest um, at the time and said actually you know rather than being a paid non-executive director on a board and um, rather than being an investor I'd like to just engage with entrepreneurs and and share my insights and share my experiences um, as a mentor and so there was this appetite and so we you know from RSM's perspective as well they had a lot of clients who who shared the same interest and so we started this initiative um, to help entrepreneurs identify whether you know, investment or mentoring and assessing those business challenges, what was right for them, who could help. And these um, mentors generally tend to be uh, very experienced business people. Um, they could be angel investors, they could be non-executive directors, but they are all people united by a passion for helping other people and giving back and sharing their insights and experience and also developing their own personal skill sets as well.
0: Chris I'm interested in finding out a little bit more about that with you the the idea of bringing in a mentor somebody that mm-hmm. can share their experiences their knowledge uh, with me and with my company uh, and perhaps talk talk us through the role of the mentor and what what value that brings
2: so so a mentor a, a lot of people sort of confuse the term mentor with with a business coach so with a coach that is somebody that would basically be answering questions i think you know and, and i think with asking questions is probably what a mentor would be doing it's it's things like oh, i've got to go out and recruit people and how on earth do i do that and have an hr policy and um I, i've been doing all the marketing how do i assess what you know what what the strategy should be should i be you know engaging somebody else or well, i need to get lawyers and accountants involved and you know i've got those type of are they the right people for me as well how on earth do i find this and then and again like if you're getting a mentor you've got to find somebody that um buys into you and buys into your business that you get on with obviously but you also want somebody who can challenge and is that person who can keep you accountable if you like there's another thing that we really should be thinking about in terms of the mentoring program and and that's actually getting the mentees effectively pitch ready and that's where working with someone like charlotte and and north invest can help as well
1: yeah absolutely so um a a large part of my job i'm very much the first port of call for entrepreneurs who are looking to raise um and we help with investor readiness so we all offer free coaching um but because there was that appetite in our network and because of the the sheer quantity of startups coming to us who are very very early stage and needed that initial guidance to develop their business plans that's why we developed a scheme Um, and we use it's a 12-month free mentoring program um, and we hand match people with their mentors and mentees um, and we loosely provide um, a structure to that program so it is a a community of about 40-45 people now um, who are all in it simply because they want to see the startups based in the north um, succeed.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah and ultimately I mean using Yorkshire as a good example actually because if you look at the traditional market if you like tech is not what yorkshire is famous for ultimately you know the you know, stewards doing a fantastic job of putting us on on the map internationally for that but we are a manufacturing county really you know we're in the steel industry and things like that in sheffield you know and a lot of our tech entrepreneurs coming through they don't have necessarily the role models to look up to in the tech sector so what we're trying to do is pair up people with who actually you know entrepreneurs who have built and scaled a scaled a business But not necessarily in the same sector, but a lot of the issues that we're talking about here, they're transferable from any sector.
0: When you think of a a typical tech startup, a typical tech company, there are different types of personalities perhaps there at the founding stage you'll have the the engineer the software engineer or the the techie person who's really good with computers and algorithms and maybe not quite so good with the speaking and the talking to people and the the business entrepreneur somebody who's got a network somebody who knows how to grow a business perhaps from scratch who's not the technical expert do you deal with two sets of personality types when you're dealing with many of these companies and and how easy is that to do
3: I I think the uh, successful firms that grow quicker than than others are the ones that have a, a real good mix of people within them and often you may find there's a couple of more technical co-founders or a couple of more commercial co-founders and uh, it's important that they quickly find people to complement their skills and your mentors and a great way of finding people to help them and often you find that uh, you know those two or three people that have set up the firm they, they look around and all of a sudden there's there's 20 in the business uh, and, and as Chris mentioned, they haven't got an HR policy, you know, they haven't got a specific sales function, because people have just been focused on building products and, and, and services. So I think that's really important, then to make sure there is that balance of complementary skills uh, across the, the, the whole piece. One of the reasons we set up the Leeds Digital Festival, and our first event was in 2016 was to do two things, one to celebrate the uh, amazing varied tech companies and entrepreneurs that we have, but also to collaborate to bring people together. So The 2019 festival uh, had 240 events uh, across 96 different venues about 25,000 attendees, and about 700 firms. So a real mix of bringing people together. So the smaller, newer companies can learn from the more established. And, you know, we're strong in, in the north in, in uh, data, uh, in health tech, in fintech, you know, just across the whole board. But it's really important that people come together and share their experiences, particularly if they're uh, more advanced, but particularly a particular bit more ex- successful because we can all learn from everyone else.
0: If you've got a neat idea and um, you're very careful about the origins of that, um, is there a chance that you're going to worry uh, that uh, that, that somebody might steal your IP, or your IP, or your idea if you if you get too involved with too many people offering friendly advice and 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 possibly a route through to the insight that's unique to you as well? What, what do, do you encounter that
1: much? Any um, relationship that you have, whether it 's a mentoring relationship or an investor relationship, you're working with people um, and you're working with individuals and those relationships are based on trust so if you approach a potential investor and slap an NDA on the table and be like i 'm not telling you anything, give me your money before I say anything you know that that doesn 't foster a, an open, honest communication between those two individuals and it 's un- very unlikely that an investor is going to trust you as an individual invest in you
0: is there a fine line there if you surely in tech part of the 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 driving factor of yeah. some of these businesses is that what they're offering is truly unique. Um, yes. So yeah. if I'm going to come to you, how do I know I can trust you not to take that idea? But, but equally, if I'm
2: sat there as um, a potential
0: investor, for example, and somebody is coming to me saying,
2: "I can't tell you what the idea is because it's it's it, I need protection from you before sharing that," then how how unique is your idea? You know, because ultimately, if I if you tell me and then it's so you know, obvious that I can copy it and it's really a first to market play, you know, so it's important to get market share in some of these, you know, you know, businesses that are being established. But how are you going to do that without the support
0: and without the funding? You need serious funding if you're going to do that sort of business. Well, I've clearly got some fine mentors around this table at the moment. Um, uh, but just to to summarise on our, our first topic then uh, and, to, and to sense check that, the, the key challenges to growth, for a tech startup are inaccessibility of traditional funding methods and often uh, a missing skill set in terms of relationship building and networking um, a mentor the like of which you've all been describing can alleviate these issues by ensuring their mentee has a robust pitch deck offering them opportunities to expand their network which is just speaking to more people getting yourself out there more isn't it and and acting as a critical personal sounding board in terms of discussing new approaches or ideas just just getting some good thoughts and some good uh, advice. Do you think that, that sums it up in general?
1: Yeah. yeah far more articulate than we were. <laughs> you
0: I summed think... it up
2: in a few sentences.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, yeah. Yeah. almost like say. it was written in yeah. front yeah. of me, isn't it? But, uh, great. Well, I'm glad that there's some great material there and I think there's some great insight there. But I'd like us to to move on to our second scenario and we've got another one for you. So um, for this just um, setting the picture. Um, since I've started my business, I've had a small, tight-knit team of coders who know the product inside out. And recently, one of my more senior team members has left to join a much larger tech firm because, well, I can't offer the same salary as, as that person's going to get there. How do I ensure I maintain a team that's fit for purpose against these bigger firms, these rivals, without being able to go blow for blow with them in terms of monetary benefits? They've got deeper pockets than me. I'm a startup. I want to encourage my staff to say, but how do I do that? Charlotte, I'm going to come to you again first. What, what are the incentives I can offer in, in place of a larger salary?
1: Mm. Um, so generally what we see with startups is that they will offer, I mentioned before, um, sweat equity. So key... Just team... remind
0: me again, sweat equity. This isn't a gym, is it? Yeah, is that, no. A...
1: <laughs> um, so key team members um, will, rather than working for cash and get paid in cash for their salaries, they'll be rewarded with um, a percentage of equity in the business. Um so that kind of replaces yeah. replaces that when cash flow can be an issue. Um, the other thing which uh, is almost offsets it is building an option pool to the share structure. So an option pool is typically between 15 to 25% of shares, which are reserved for employees. Um, and that's an incentive to in- essentially encourage them to grow the business to the point where it can... Um, to go through a public raise, an IPO. Um, and at that point, they can then access those shares um, and potentially sell them off if they choose to leave the business. So, so
0: what's working for me here then is that I can't give you the the money, but if you believe in this proposition, if Absolutely. you believe in this business, I'm going to give you some share of it, some equity, and you can benefit from that in the future if we grow this together. But Chris, we're in um, and have been in a fairly uncertain economic and political environment. How... As a as a small firm, can I keep employees on side and and make them feel secure that my business startup is still going to be around? Right,
2: it's a tricky one. I mean, this isn't unique to tech particularly. It's 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 around how smaller businesses can can foster a strong team culture. I mean, there's a couple of things that you can do. Is it, you've got to try and effectively try and retain staff and build a culture whereby people have that level of trust within the team so they they enjoy that the, the people that they work with they they have engagement and they enjoy the stuff that they're doing they're more hands-on with a smaller business ultimately you're going to feel a little bit more entrepreneurial you're you're involved in the the, the nitty-gritty in a large corporate you may be doing very interesting work but it it you're much more a smaller cog in a larger machine you don't necessarily have a a, a say in the direction of travel
3: it's just that case of what was the culture you started with and how do you put the time and effort in to make sure that culture continues as you grow and i've worked with some uh, great tech companies over the years when they have gone from that two members of staff six months later are 20 of them a year later there's a there's 100 and it's really important to put the time and effort and resource into making sure that every new person who comes in knows what the company culture is and make sure that everybody including the founders are supported in uh, sort of celebrating and generating that culture uh, because it's you know it's a, it's a, it's tough to grow a company
2: going back to the the original question like if somebody is on a I mean, £30,000 salary or something and, and, and another employer comes along and offers them another 10000 That's a lot of money in context. So it's, it's very hard and, and sometimes money does talk. But ultimately, I think you know, money isn't the only motivating factor and it doesn't, you know, it's a cliche, isn't it? But it doesn't necessarily make you happier. So you know, I think if you are able to retain staff and tie them into the business in the way Charlotte's described through some sort of capital incentive to grow the business and they know that, there's a financial positive in maybe in the longer term and they won't necessarily be worse off and they really enjoy where they work and you've, you've built that culture then you know that, that's your best route
0: I think to retaining staff. When you think about those people um, that, that are the heart of a business uh, what about the skills that they have and that you need. How do we deal with that and is that a challenge that, that you see and face? Well it is,
3: I don't think I've had a single conversation uh, about a tech company in the last three years that hasn't come round to talent and skills shortages at the time. But I think we've moved on a lot as, a, as an industry uh, and also educational establishments about coming together, collaborating more you're getting more collaboration between schools and colleges with tech companies uh, up in Yorkshire there's this great organisation uh, up in uh, Manchester and Leeds called North Coders and it's a sort of intensive boot camp and they're turning out incredibly high quality coders And but they're drawing them in from different areas, it's not from the same schools the same universities, the te- same type of degrees and that diversity is really important because you need diverse people within your company to make the best products, best, best services that reflect the communities and reflect the, the sectors that you want to
0: sell your products into. And, and Charlotte when, when we look at the the broader picture here are there other common issues that cause or might cause people to jump ship from my small company that's doing well to um to to, to maybe a larger firm elsewhere
1: um i think there can be a bit of founder syndrome sometimes when you have been wearing all the hats in your business and then you are beginning to hire in other people there is you know you, there is that urge to almost micromanage. So just not being able to
0: let yeah, go. Yeah, you just
1: can't let go and you can't switch off and trust that someone else, you know, if they've worked in HR and they understand this, I'm taking HR as an example, but it could be applied to any facet of your business. Um, you know, if they've, if they've worked in a corporation and they understand HR and that is their bread and butter, it can be very difficult to trust them and to relinquish that power and control over it and go, you know what? I trust you that you know what you're doing and I'm going to leave this to you and I'm going to step away and focus on actually growing the business in other areas.
0: Chris, um, Charlotte raises a great point there. Is there, maybe slightly controversial here, is there a point that you see quite regularly where uh, it's time for the founders to move aside and let somebody else to come in and run the business. And how tough is that to do? This is their baby, but maybe they're not the best people always to take it on to the next level.
2: Well, I think it's not necessarily about standing aside. It's about focusing on what's the best route to actually scaling up this business. So you know, when you're in that phase where you're wearing all of those hats, there there will probably naturally be one area where you are a real master. Ultimately, I think from my experience, the businesses that scale up the most successfully are the ones where the founders have actually probably moved into the strategic role. So they have successfully put together a team. In all the various different facets of the business
3: just on that point i think the most successful tech founders of scale-ups and startups that, that i know are the ones who quickly identified what they're not good at mm-hmm. and then you build a team around you and bring those skills into to so you can grow at a much faster faster rate and you know and charlotte touched on it about your know, people don't want to let things go and let them go. Okay,
0: time's racing on, so I do want to summarize uh, this scenario as well. It would it be correct to say then that it's unlikely that a startup would ever would be able to maintain staff on salary alone. However, they can combat larger businesses by offering alternative benefits packages and incentives, maintaining an inclusive culture, and avoiding shortfalls in skills by ensuring that existing staff are continually upskilled. Yeah, Definitely. sounds spot on. So, finally, then, if if you were each to Just give a little bit of extra advice, uh, another key piece of advice for uh, a tech business or scale-up. What would it be? Stuart, with you first.
3: Uh, I I think the key uh, first one would be find yourself a sort of formal, either a formal sales coach or a mentor or a board member. A lot of startups do struggle with that sales pitch. Get yourself a one minute sales pitch, a three minute sales pitch, a five minute sales pitch, a 10 minute sales pitch and pitch and pitch and pitch and pitch and pitch. So you're really confident. And so if you are uncomfortable to start with by the time you've pitched 10, 20, 30 times, you'll be you'll be spot on.
2: And uh, Chris, I'd say, you know, again, having a mentor is really important. And I'd say it's it's in in the sense it would, would help you clarify your strategy, your business plan what the, your values are for your business in terms of what we've been talking about and retaining staff and your team. Um, I, I also think it's, it's getting yourself out there. And we talked a bit about NDAs and not wanting to talk to people, but networking is the best thing that you can do. Just go out there, hustle, build up your network. And, and, and like Charlotte was saying, you can bootstrap your business that way to an extent by going out and
0: just meeting people and discussing and collaborating with others. So talking to people, just mm. exchanging ideas and spending mm, yeah. time doing that. Yeah. And Charlotte, finally, to you, what would you say? What's your key piece of advice here?
1: Um, I'd say definitely. Uh, again, touching on Chris's point, your your network is your net worth. Yeah. Um, definitely connect with people and try and grow your business as much as you can um, by yourself. However, if you do decide to go for funding, then market research all the way and evidence a real demand for your product or service um listen to feedback you can and keep that process ongoing so even if you do successfully raise keep revisiting that pitch deck keep revisiting that research um know your financials know your business inside out i met with um an institutional investor a couple of weeks ago who said you know we understand that startups are risky and that you know you know nine out of ten fail um but what we look for is if you're if i'm going through financials i want to see that they've accounted for absolutely every challenge that they might face and if they fail they'll know why he says i don't mind if they fail as long as they fail competently (laughs) that was such a good way of putting it
0: well it's an absolutely fascinating subject matter but unfortunately we really are out of time now so Stuart, charlotte chris thank you all very much indeed thank Thank you john thank you and if you want to find out more information on all of the issues we've been talking about, particularly mentoring in the tech sector, then please visit RSM's website at www.rsmuk.com forward slash tech mentors. And to find out more about North Invest, head to northinvestalloneword.co.uk, or check out how the Leeds Digital Festival is shaping up by going to Leeds Digital Festival again oneword.org. And we're very keen on your views, so please do rate us and leave a review. And to keep in the loop, please subscribe to the loop and listen to our next podcast, where we'll untangle today's big business issues.